Hey, good morning, K2. How you guys doing? Yeah? Sweet. Hey, my, my name is uh, Derek Murphy. Love you too. Uh, glad that you're here this morning. I know there's a bunch of people still, we don't usually do the sermon right off the bat, so it's a bunch of people still sitting out there. So if you want to help uh, get their attention, let's make them feel like they're missing something. So if you're ready to go today, say yeah. Yeah. Oh man, you guys are awesome. If you're ready to go, say let's go. Oh my gosh, you guys are amazing. <laughs> I love you guys. This is awesome. Well, welcome to K2. We are glad that you're here today. We are in a, a series called Old, From the Old to the New. So this is a series actually going through the Old Testament. And this, this series will be going five weeks. Last week, Jason Dunn brought a great message about this idea, he gave really an overview of the whole Old Testament, but the, the idea is that from the very, very beginning, what God was trying to do in creation was that he was trying to create partners. That's why he made us, in fact. And then he, he tried to renew that partnership through all these different people uh, that, that came into the story throughout the whole Bible, right? Throughout the whole Old Testament. And, and so today, we're, we're going to be building on top of that idea of partnership, which we saw here. And today, we're talking about covenants. And really, this, this idea of how a covenant really strengthens a partnership and how really we, it gives us confidence in the partnership of God. Because there's this thing that, that God has asked us to be partners. In fact, at the very beginning, God, when he made us, he, he said that we're to rule with him. He, he gave us he gave us authority over the earth. He asked us to uh, actually name Adam, to name the animals. He asked us to be fruitful and multiply, to, to partner with him in creation, right? This, we're supposed to be ruling with God, right? But here's the deal. Here's where things start to break down is that God, in this partnership, he is asking us to make him the senior partner and us be the junior partners in this relationship. Make sense? So the, the problem is most of us like to make God, we like the idea of God. I mean, I, I imagine that you do because you're here, but you like the idea of God, but we like to make him the junior partner and us the senior partner. It's like when everything else that we know how to try doesn't work, then we can go down the chain and go, okay, God, now what do I do, right? It's like, instead of first starting with God, what do you want me to do in this situation? And then, and then go from there, right? Whatever he tells us to do. And so this is, this is where we're at with today. Like, how can we actually have confidence in God as a senior partner in our lives? And, and us coming alongside him instead of him just coming alongside us. Now, uh, even, even bigger than this is just how can we have trust and confidence in a partnership? Because we know, we've all experienced, I think if you're sitting here in the room, times where any kind of partnership has failed. In fact, I was looking up the stats on this. How, many, how often do business partnerships fail? And it was, the, the stats are pretty astounding. 70% of business partnerships fail. Now they have great upsides, right? Great, amazing upsides. And then if they don't work out, they have tremendous downsides. So we're, we're sitting here going, okay, we want, this we want this partnership with God, but how do we actually do it in a way that works? How do we come alongside God and have him come alongside us in a way where we can have confidence at the end of all this? So you, you guys ready to go in and check how we can do that? 
cool. Okay. Uh, well, uh, th- these are the points we're going to hit today. Let me, let me go there. Uh, first of all, we're going to have, we can, let's get those up there because I, I forgot them for a second. How do we have confidence in our partnership with God? Well, first of all, partnership requires trust. Uh, second, partnership requires hope, and partnership requires love. So you know where we're going today? That's, that is exactly where we're headed as we talk about partnership, as we talk about covenants, how we can have confidence in this God. And so today we're actually looking at uh, one specific covenant as we look at all the covenants. You know, the Bible Project video did a great job kind of explaining the four main covenants that take place in the Old Testament, as well as the New Covenant in Jesus. Uh, they, they, oh man, those guys are amazing. Uh, so if you didn't get a chance, if you got in here late, you didn't get a chance to watch that video, go and check that out. We'll try to get a link out there for that. Uh, but it's a, it's a great video to, to check out just to get a basic understanding of what a covenant is, right? But today we're looking at Genesis chapter 15, which actually debriefs the, the covenant with Abraham, and I, I think this chapter of Scripture, I don't think I'm overstating to say it is, it's possibly the most significant chapter of Scripture in the whole Bible. It's that important. So keep your ears open, keep your eyes open today. We're going to be going into some cool stuff. So I'm going to start off reading the first eight verses of this Genesis 15. It says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram. So just so you know, Uh, Before Abraham gets the name Abraham, his name is Abram. Uh, So in this scripture, I'll be referring to him when I'm speaking as Abraham, but in the scripture, he's Abram. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. So Abram had just gone and he had conquered some kings. Uh, He had taken his nephew Lot, had been taken captive and so he's, I can imagine, he's worried about what's going to happen. Are these kings going to come back to get him? He also didn't take any of the plunder. He just went to go rescue his, his nephew, you know, and take care of him. So he, God is saying, I'm your shield. I'm going to protect you. I am also your great reward. You don't need to take anybody else's plunder. Uh, I will give you riches. I'll take care of you. And so he goes on to say, but Abram said, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and the countless stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of. But Abram said, sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? And so this is is really, I think, a great question that Abram leaves us with. Lord, how can I know? How many of you have asked God that exact same question in your life? When you're, you're facing the trials of the world, when you're facing all the, the questions that come up and you go, God, I want to trust you, but how can I know? 
I think we can all sit here and say, this is something that we've experienced. And, and each one of us can look back. I, I imagine, I know here at this church, the, one of the things I love the most about K2 is we have people in all different parts of their faith journey that walk through these doors. So some of you out there, I know, are, are just still in this pre-belief. You don't know what you think about God yet. You might call yourself an atheist or an agnostic or, or what it is, and you're going, how do I know this thing about God, right? There's, there's a lot of doubt. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of things that you need answered. And then there's some of you who are new to faith, and you're trying to take your very first steps of faith, and you're going, God, how can I know? I, I'm used to living life as the senior partner, right? How can I trust you as my, uh, as, as my senior partner, me to take the second seat down, right? We, we're asking these questions. And even those of us who have been in the faith for a long time, this is one of those things where we get asked hard things by God to do sometimes. You go, God, how can I really know that you're going to be there with me? I mean, I think each one of us, Know that this is a question that we ask. So how can we have confidence in this God? I, I think where we're going today is that this covenant that God is wanting to make with us gives us confidence in him. But the first thing that we got to get to is the, this realization that partnership requires trust, right? Partnership requires trust. So one of the reasons why partnership requires trust is because every relationship that you have requires trust. Now, I've got a brother, and um, my brother is, is patient. He's very patient. And because of his patience, he's, he's taken to uh, like working on cars and tinkering and all these different things. And I am not as patient as him. And so I, I don't know, for some reason, I like, I like wood. When I work with my hands, I like to work with wood. And I, can, I, I know I can mip, manipulate that, and it comes with creativity and and so I like to do woodworking. He can actually sit there and sift bolts and nuts and try to make them fit in the right places and all that. I put together an engine, and I'm going to come up with a handful of nuts and bolts left, right? And so I had, to, I had an old truck about four or five years ago. It was the week of 4th of July. So we were outside the week of 4th of July taking out my transmission to replace the rear main seal. And it was 100 degrees, you know, and we're under the truck. So it's just like... Not a fun week. I took the week off. He came up to help me. And we get partway into this thing. We've got the, the transmission pulled. And we're trying to get everything put together. And I'm realizing that it's a po- there's a possibility that my brother does not know what he's doing right now. <laughs> my truck is torn apart, right? And so I start asking him all these questions. I'm trying to figure out if he thinks he knows what he's doing or if he's just kind of winging it. And I think he gets the hint that I don't think he knows what he's doing and he starts to get defensive. And it's amazing how quickly it turned into just this all-out brother brawl, right? It's like he was about ready to just leave me right there with the whole, like holding a transmission in my hands going, okay, figure it out. And it's amazing how quickly a lack of trust actually breaks down a relationship and breaks down a partnership. Uh, We've seen this, I think, in all of the types of relationships you've had right there. In your marriage, this is true, right? If, If you're married, you know that I think all the problems of your marriage come from this this lack of trust and the other partner meeting, being able to meet your needs, right? That's where the issues and the tensions start to arise. Can they actually 
help me in this area? Are they actually going to meet my needs in this area? Do they understand uh, that this is something that I want from them? These are the things. And so we, we either gain trust or lose trust and it either builds the relationship or it tears it down. And I would say the same thing is true when it comes to our relationship with God. Our problems in life come down to a lack of trust of God. Either a lack of trust of God on our part or a lack of trust from God from another person's part if they're creating problems on us, right? And so all of our problems come down to a lack of trust. Like, for example, you would, we worry because we do not trust the wisdom of God. We have anger and we have bitterness because we don't trust the justice of God. We, we have problems with our self-esteem because we don't trust that God actually made us good when he said he knit us together in our mother's womb and he has a plan and a purpose for our life. Like he, we, we do not trust some of these things and it creates all these issues in our lives. And you know, the amazing thing is that we see that Abraham, through the most of the story of his, his life that we see in scripture, is actually a man of great trust. It, he's, he's this guy that I'll, I'll say, the, the I'll tell you later guy. Um, throughout the whole, the whole scripture, we see that you know, Abraham is called by God. And he says, I will make you into a great nation. You just need to leave everything behind. Uh, in Genesis 12, this is something that, that last week Jason talked about. You need to leave everything behind, your, your land, your father's house, your, your family name, basically, and you just need to follow me. And Abram says, okay, how, how am I going to know, God? Oh, I'll tell you later, right? And, and, then, and then the same thing happens. I'll give you a nation. I'll give you great children. Uh, I, I will make your descendants bigger than the, the, the sand of the seas and the stars of the sky. Okay, God, how am I going to know? I'll, I'll tell you later. Right? This is, this is exactly what God does with Abram. Right? He's, he is going to tell him later. And the same thing is about to happen here. He, God makes the, restates the promises. I am your shield. I will provide for you. And Abram says, how do I know, God? And, and honestly, if we look right here, uh, we see in, in verse 2, Sovereign Lord, Abram, Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And then God doesn't say anything. In fact, this is a way in which the Hebrew uh, scriptures uh, state when, when it says, and Abram said in verse 2, and then and Abram said in verse 3. It means that God didn't say anything between those two statements. So Abram asked a question. God did not respond. I'll tell you later, Abram, Right? I'll, he's the I'll tell you later guy. And then Abram said, so he asks again, you have given me no children, God. How am I going to have descendants as great as the stars in the sky? So a servant in my house will be my heir. We see, we come along Abraham in this time in an amazing faith crisis. And I think we can learn some amazing things from a guy who's in the middle of a faith crisis, because I think it's easy to find ourselves in the middle of a faith crisis. Are you with me? <laughs> so this, this is what is happening right here. And then God says, okay, let me, let me paint a picture of this thing that I'm going to do. And then God actually responds. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir. It's not Eleazar of Damascus, but a son who was your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, 
let's just all do this. Look up. Look up at the sky. We kind of got stars, right? We got lights in the sky. You can count them though, right? It's like you look up at the stars. You can't even count all these things. And it's amazing because uh, Abraham actually doesn't say anything, right? And, and, say, and, and God says, this is exactly how your offspring will be. You're going to be blessed. And to his credit, right, Abraham actually believes God in this section. But then that faith didn't last very long. God started to make talk more, right? I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of early Chaldeans. I will give you this land. And then Abram's like, okay, God, I, you're making too many promises. I need some collateral, right? I need, I need uh, if we're going to have trust, remember partnerships require trust. If we're going to have trust, I'm going to need you to prove it, God. I just, I, we got to stop and we got to learn from this real quick, okay? In your faith, in your faith, you're going to have times of doubt. You're going to have times of doubt. And I know that there's religious groups out there that say, don't ask questions, don't doubt, just believe. But if we are learning here from a man of faith right here, there is times in your faith where you're going to have a faith crisis and you're going to have doubt. And I think we can learn some things from God in this. The first time that Abram asks the question, some, God was silent. So what we need to learn here is that sometimes when we ask God things, we're going to get crickets, right? Has <laughs> is, is anybody experienced that? <laughs> Like God, sometimes it's silent, but here's the thing. Any good senior partner in any business, if they're a good one, right? Eventually, if you keep asking questions, they're going to come along. Like, I, I can't move forward. This, this God, the, the one that gives us confidence, right, in this, in this covenant, in this partnership, this one, he's, he's willing to circle back around and go, okay, I'm willing to hear you. Now, there's, I think there's a reason why God doesn't want to tell Abraham why, like the reason, you know, he actually tells them that the, the, his son will come from his own flesh and blood. And then what happens? Abraham actually uses that knowledge, that information, and he, he, he uses it in a wrong way. He goes and he sleeps with his maidservant and he tries to have a son that way. So he takes the information God gives him and he, he, he tries to make a workaround later. And so God didn't want to tell him this information. He didn't need to know this information. But the amazing thing is, is that God, after Abraham asked, and he didn't say anything, and then he asked again, he goes, okay, I know you're going to mess some things up, but I can still do something with you. So I'll tell you some information. It's amazing how our God is willing to meet us where we're at. That's the sort of confidence that we can have in this God. It's like, some, you know, sometimes our, our trust reservoirs are getting low, right? We find ourselves running on empty. And we have to decide. This, this whole covenant, this whole partnership is built on this idea that God, God wants to bless the whole world through Abraham. And he wants to bless the whole world through you. And when our trust reservoirs are low... We have to decide whether or not we're going to shrink back and go, okay, no, I can't do that. Or if we're going to lean into this. There's something that Abraham actually does is he, he asks the question twice, right? 
And God responds. Like we, we have a part to play in this is that when your, your trust reservoirs are low, don't just shrink back. If you know that God is calling you to be a blessing to all the world, to live a big life, Remember, we, we've been talking through a series just before this series called Heaven on Earth. Like God literally wants to use you to bring heaven on earth. It just, God works through relationships, specifically works through partnerships. And he wants you to come to him and he wants you to have that relationship with him. He wants you to have that conversation with him. He doesn't want you to go off and pout on your own and go, oh, God doesn't care about me. No, he wants you to come to him and he wants you to trust that he will come and in the right time, he will speak to you. You can have confidence in that. So this, that, that's, that's not really quite enough even because Abraham believed at that moment, but then it was quick. He was quick to lose faith and he lost it again. And he goes, God, how can I really know? Like, how can I know I need more and it's amazing what God is willing to do. And that's where this covenant idea starts to come in because we haven't gotten to that yet, right? And so God realizes that he's got to do more than just paint a picture, right? He's got to do more than that. He's got to make, he's got to show Abraham like a, a much, much bigger picture for him to understand what's going on. And this is what's called hope, right? It's, it doesn't, tr- and that's where trust actually springs from is that, Trust springs from us seeing the bigger picture, right? And hope is vision for the future. And so that's where that next point comes in is that partnership requires hope. Like in order for us to trust, in order for us to have confidence in this God, we actually have to know what in the world he's doing. Like if he's going to be the senior partner, like there's some responsibility for him to tell us in general, what direction he's heading, right? And so God does this for Abraham. You know, I, I, uh, sometimes, sometimes he just does it in like little bits. Like he gives him a little next step, right? And I, I've experienced this. Like when you're hiking a mountain, I don't know if you've ever gotten to the point where it's like, I don't know if I can make it. But then you look up and you see a point. Like you can see the top, what you think feels like the top of the mountain and then you're like, I can just get, I can get there. And you get there and then you look up again and there's another top to the mountain, right? It's like, okay, I think I can get there. And you get there and then you get to the next top and eventually you get to the real top of the mountain. Have, you, have any of you ever experienced anything like that? Where it's just, you needed a little vision to be able to see the next little point. And God does that with Abraham here. And it's so amazing how he does that with us. He gives us a little more vision to see a little bit farther. And it's amazing that author of Hebrews, he does this, uh, he speaks of this, this, this relationship, this covenant relationship that Abraham and God have. And he, in, in, verse, in chapter 6 of Hebrews, in verse 15 and 16, Abraham is, uh, the author of Hebrews is talking about Abraham. But in verses 17 through 19, he starts to talk about God. And so we're going to read part of that, that passage here real quick. In Hebrews 6, it says, Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear, so we've got to understand that what God is doing is that he, the unchanging nature of his purpose is what he's trying to reveal to us, right? It isn't the promises of God that God is trying to help us to trust in. It's actually the character of God that God is trying to help us trust in. Does that make sense? There's a difference. 
He doesn't want us just to see the promises. He wants us to see him and go, my nature, you can trust that. You can take that to the bank and have confidence in that. So he wants to make those very clear to the heirs of the promise. And then he confirmed it with an oath. That's what verse 17 says. And this oath is what we're going to about to, to dive into in Genesis chapter 15. This oath is what is going to be called the covenant here. And verse 18 uh, just talks about how that oath actually is what brings hope. And verse 19 says, and we, this hope is an anchor for our souls. Isn't that just a vivid picture? Like hope, the hope that God is willing to give us, the hope that God is willing to give us because of his character proven through this oath is like an anchor for our souls. But what I found is that anchors are only good if you actually have them in something solid, right? I don't know if you've ever, uh, my family went out on a houseboat when I was a kid and we put the anchor of the houseboat out in the sand and then the next morning we woke up and we were somewhere floating off in the middle of the lake, right? It's like when you, when you put an anchor down and you're in the middle of the sea and you only put it down halfway, it does you no good because it's just floating in the water, right? It only does good if it's down in the rocks. And so, this is what we're, that God is talking about. I think God is trying to take Abraham's anchor and he's trying to push it all the way down beneath the surface, down into the rocks, down in the crags where it actually hold on to something and hold him afloat, hold him steady for this time and for this minute. Now, if we're talking about hope, I think we have to really step back from the story of Abraham just for a second and go, man, what are we hoping in? Is our anchor just floating around in the, bottom, in the sea? You know, it's not really tied to anything. I know that all of us hope in something. Like, it's just the truth. We, as humans, human nature requires us to have hope in something, right? Because if we have no hope, we cannot survive. It's just part of who we are. And so we hope in things, right? We hope in our job, like our promotions, our, our talent, our friends. Maybe even we've talked a lot in you know, covenant talk about relationships, marriages. Maybe it's your spouse that you trust in. Maybe it's your family. Man, we're just, we've got this close, tight family. I could always go back. Maybe it's money or maybe it's your looks. I don't know. Uh, maybe you've got great looks. The Face app taught us this week, right? Let's see it. Right, come on, let's, let's put that up there. Yeah, right, right there. It won't last, right? There's, there's me in, in another, I don't know, 40 years or something. 30 years, maybe 20, I don't know. Could be next week. I, but it's just it's not going to last, right? It's, it's, uh, it's all, whether it's your, your family, your job, uh, your, your, your looks, it's, it's all just an anchor that's just floating around in the middle of the sea, right? It's, it's not something that's firm. It's not something that is an adequate solution to place our hope in. Uh, you don't have any hope if it isn't down. And, and God says that he, the, the, the hope that he wants to give us is through this oath. That's how we can know. That's how we can know. So we're going to read about this oath um, in, in verse 9 through 11 here. And it starts off and it says, So the Lord said to him, meaning Abraham, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Now, this is 
Very specific, right? It's, it's interesting that three years old, right? It's a, I don't know why that's important, but uh, God throws it in there. And then we see what Abraham does. Abram brought all these to him. And then he does something really weird. He cut them in two and arranged the halves opposite of each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Uh, then the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abraham drove them away. Okay, what just happened? The story took a dark turn, right? It's like we thought God was putting together a petting zoo, and then uh, Abraham took it a, a weird way. Uh, we all know, okay, a covenant is like the... it's. We're going to get into this, uh, the, the nuance of this, but it, it is the closest thing we can understand to a covenant is a contract. And we all know what comes when we get into a contract. Let's say we do start a business partnership. We know that we're going to go and we're going to get lawyers and we're going to draw paperwork and there's going to be signatures and there's going to be notaries and all these things are going to take place when we put together a contract, right? Right. Well, it's the exact same thing happening. It's just the ancient version of that, right? So when God doesn't give Abraham any instructions on what to do with these goats and pigeons and bulls, right? He just says, go get them. Well, it's clear that, that Abraham knew what to do with them because he shows up and he actually starts going to work uh, of putting these animals, cutting them in two, uh, and this is was what was called in the ancient world, cutting a covenant. You, you get the idea where that comes from. Uh, and we'll explain that in just a second. But a covenant, before we get to the, the details of what Abraham was doing, I got to explain what a covenant is. It's, it's a way of creating a relationship in the ancient world. And this happened between all sorts of, it happened in marriages, it happened in betrothals, uh, but it was a way of creating a relationship, but it was more than just a personal relationship because it had the, the loving, enduring uh, aspect that was made through uh, a commitment to each other, right? And so covenant in relationship to marriage, for example, is not just a relationship uh, because it comes with commitments. We do this when we get married today, right? We, we stand in front of each other and we say, for better or for worse, for richer, for poorer, and sickness and health, all these things, right? But it's not just a contract because it actually comes with relationship. And we know that today, not all contracts come with relationship. But what happens when, when two parties come into a covenant in the ancient world is they're actually saying, I will do my part even if you aren't willing to do yours. Can you imagine if we entered marriage today saying that to each other, what marriage would look like? I'll do my part, even if you do yours. Isn't it odd that we think in our brains that we're going to inspire trust and love and commitment from the other person because when we're not getting our needs met, I'm going to show you by not meeting your needs, right? It's like creating a lack of trust in them is supposed to inspire, I don't know what we're doing, but if we do our part, even when the other person fails, is an amazing how creating trust in them will also bring them back to a point where we can trust them as well. And this is what God is doing with Abraham. He's trying to create trust. He's trying to create confidence in Abraham here, in his relationship here. And he's trying to build this relationship with Abraham. And so let's get to the details of this. This is called a blood path covenant, which from, for good for good reason, we have an illustration here. 
of what this is, would look like. Uh, you actually would take these animals and you would cut them into uh, hot dog style, I guess you could say. <laughs> this is getting... This is getting PG-13, right? I don't know. Um, and, and then you'd put them up kind of in a natural little ravine like this. And, and two parties would walk through uh, the, these, two, these animals that are placed. And let's say in a marriage relationship, in a betrothal, let's say, there's the, the groom would walk through these, these animals first because always it's the lesser party that walks through him because he's wanting to marry the daughter of, the, of the, the, hus- or the, the father of the bride. He's the one that walks through first and the, uh, the, the groom would walk through and say, if I mistreat your daughter, may I be like these animals? May, you, may I be cut in two? And then the father walks through and he says, if I do not provide for you this daughter and if she is not pure and if she is not uh, you know, well-respected in the community, all these things, then may I be cut in two as well. And so these two come into this relationship. They're becoming family but they're making it on this promise that they're going to come through on their end of the bargain based on their life, right? And this is exactly what Abraham is looking for, I think, when he's asking. He's saying, God, I need you. I, I, I need you to do something more than just make promises and paint beautiful pictures for me. I need you to do something real here because I'm struggling. I'm having this faith crisis, and God does it. He says, okay, go get the animals. And then Abram realizes, I think, unfortunately, he got exactly what he wanted in this situation. And we have to understand that sometimes when we ask God to prove, sometimes when we ask God to prove himself, he will actually do the same to us and ask us to prove ourselves. Because what happens here is that God actually is saying, because Abraham is what, the greater or the lesser party in this situation with God? The lesser, right? And so is he supposed to go through first or second through this path? First. So what happens? He, he, he gets this whole thing set up, and does he walk through it? No, he, he's sitting here, and he, he realizes if he touches one toe into this blood path, He's toast. He's done for because he is not, he's, he cannot come into a relationship with a perfect God who is able to fulfill his side of the covenant faithfully and expect that he's going to come out and survive on the other end because he knows that he's not going to be able to come through on his side and be this junior partner and live that out perfectly and faithfully. And so he's stuck here and, and he, it just says that he's sitting here evidently long enough to where it starts to probably stink, birds of prey start coming down, and he's just trying to swat away the birds at this point, right? Because he knows he can't walk through it. This is exactly where we find Abram. He's in an interesting position, but God does not leave him. Let's, we're going to have to skip down just for the sake of time uh, to the, the end here in verse, verses 17. It says, when the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, to your descendants, I give you this land from the wadi of Egypt to the great river of the Euphrates and a bunch of other places, right? A lot of words that, we, uh, that are hard to pronounce, right? So this, this is an interesting thing that we see here. Um, we see these, this torch 
and this fire pot walk through these pieces? Well, uh, what we know is that these, um, in, in, first of all, on the Mount Sinai and in the desert, these exact same terminology in the Hebrew is used to describe God and God's presence. So what we have here is what they call a theophany. It's actually God uh, coming through and showing up in the, in the form of fire. And he walks through these pieces. And then it says that a covenant was made. But what does not happen? What do we see that, that does, is, is left out? Who doesn't walk through? Abram does not walk through. So the first shock is that God made the promise to bless Abram and didn't expect Abram to fulfill his promise to him. Like God said, I will bless you. I will fulfill my promise to you, Abram, even if you do nothing to fulfill your promise to me. That's the first shocking piece here. But even more shocking, I think this, this is something way above and beyond what Abraham even ever imagined, is that he said, he, he actually walked through, the fact that Abraham did not walk through these pieces is saying that God actually walked through on his behalf. That not only did he walk through on his, and say, Abraham, I'm going to fulfill my promise to you, God walking through and Abraham not walking through means that even if Abraham doesn't fulfill his end of this promise, that God will be torn in two as well. You smell in the gospel here. Do you understand why this might be the most significant passage of scripture in the whole Bible? This is quite the vision, and it's a picture, I think, of hope that really gives us a bedrock and an anchor that, for our souls, right? This is the sort of thing that, that we're talked about here. And in Galatians, we don't have time to read it, but Galatians chapter 3, Paul actually says that the gospel, the full gospel was given to Abraham in advance. This is the full gospel. God knew that Abraham wasn't going to be able to fulfill his end of the partnership. But his dream for Abraham was the same since the beginning of the world. He wanted Abraham to be able to bless the world, and he knew the only way he could do that is if he took on both sides of the covenant. Doesn't that give us confidence in this God? Like he's willing to take on both sides of the covenant. He knows we're going to fail, and so he's willing to come alongside us and partner with us even in the midst of our weaknesses. The second part of this Hebrews passage, this Hebrews chapter 6 says that we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He has become the high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. We see that Jesus actually fulfills this promise that God gave to Abraham. Jesus himself enters into the temple past the curtain and becomes the sacrifice being broken and torn so that he can fulfill our failures. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. This is the reason why we can have hope. It's like an anchor for our soul. Jesus laid down his life. He was torn to pieces because he knew we could not be faithful junior partners. But it didn't mean that he wasn't going to be a faithful senior partner. We can have confidence 
in this God. This God should inspire us, which actually leads us to this next point, which is the third point. It says, partnership requires love. And I would say in this sort of partnership, because any kind of partnership is, is relational, right? Uh, but this, re, this sort of partnership, when we're dealing with God, the type of hope and the, the type of faith that he gives us really should, it, isn't, sh- it shouldn't say requires, it should say inspires love, right? It's like, it actually is something that wells up within us. And Colossians uh, 1, 5 through 6 says, the faith and love, we see faith, we see love that spring forth from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the message of the gospel. So this idea is that actually faith and love come from this hope that is given to us in Jesus. And so this, we're inspired to actually go out and to, to do something. And, and I, I have this partnership requires love. What I'm meaning by love is actually action. Right? We, we see uh, that faith is expressed in, in what? In, is it expressed in good, good words, love letters, poems? Faith actually expresses itself in love, and, and, and James says that, that faith without works is what? It's dead. How many of you uh, would actually get away with a marriage where you just said really nice things to your spouse and you never did anything to help them, right? It's, it does not work that way. The only way you can prove that you love your spouse is to become your, the servant of your spouse. That's how you build a healthy relationship. That's how you build a healthy marriage. And so Jesus asks us for the exact same thing. Uh, he actually says, I, I, want you, I want you to be inspired by this hope in such a way that it actually inspires you to to action. Like, I want you to, to go out. I, I have a dream for you to bless the world. I want you to bring heaven into this earth. Like, that's what, I, that's what I dream for you, but you have to believe me. You have to trust me. You have to have hope in the vision that I'm, that I'm painting for this world. You have to have a, a trust in the fact that I've actually fulfilled your end of the deal already. You can have confidence. It's not a confidence that's based on nothing. It's a confidence based on the fact that Jesus Christ has already paid for his end of the bargain. Like we're entering into our partnership already being paid. How often does that happen? It doesn't happen, right? And so I think what this, it, it inspires us to do is, is first of all this, confidence inspires us. If we actually have confidence, it inspires us to obedience. It's John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. So we have confidence because we know we're going to fail, but we are going to push forward anyway, knowing that we'll resist, like, we'll resist sin like crazy, but we won't fall into shame when we fail, right? It's like because we already know that Jesus, he's paid for our sins. We don't have to worry. We, we're gonna, our obedience comes out of love. If you love me, you'll obey what I command. But guess what? I'm going to give an advocate. Even if you fail, like, I'm going to be going to God and saying, man, that guy's mine. I, I, I'm all about what she's up to. Like, they're doing some cool stuff. I know they don't have it all perfect, but man, I love them. He's going to be an advocate for us. Isn't that cool? 
Like it's an obedience, but it's inspired from the love that he's given us by his sacrifice on the cross. And then this, the last point here is this, uh, that we, when we have confidence, it inspires the act of joining with Christ's body. So I, uh, this might get a little bit too birds and the bees, okay? But so just, just work with me. Um, when we love someone, <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this, is, this is too much. <laughs> you, you love someone, right? You get, you, you, you get to this point where you're like, I want to commit myself to you, commit my everything to you. You get married, you give yourself, your bodies over to each other, right? This is, this is an amazing act of love from two people. But it's the exact same thing that if we're going to actually live in a covenant relationship with Jesus, if we're going to marry into this family, it's the exact same thing. The church is called the body of Christ. You cannot just come to the church and attend and be in a covenant relationship with God. It's not the way it works. If you're going to take part in this partnership that God has for you, if you're going to live a life in which you're going to bless the world, you actually are going to start engaging in the body of Christ because that's what this sort of personal relationship, covenant relationship looks like when you're living a life that's committed to Jesus. It's the way it is. And the funny thing is that accountability it no longer is scary because People who are in a covenant relationship with Jesus, they actually are, they're, they're yearning for, to be in covenant relationships with other people who are also in a covenant relationship with Jesus, right? It's like, we want to submit ourselves to each other and learn from each other and be humble and serve each other and love each other because it's through the love that we have for one another that the world knows that Jesus was real, right? Isn't that the truth? Isn't that what John 17 says? So this is what I'm going to close out with today. And I'll invite the band to come on up. God works the way he likes to be in relationship. The way he works in relationship is in covenant relationships. And I know a lot of us in the room, we've accepted Jesus as our Savior, right? But what Jesus wants us to do is he wants us to accept him as our Lord, as our Lord. He wants us to make him his, our senior partner. And we lower ourselves into the junior partner relationship. So I don't know if you're sitting out there and you've said, God, I, I love you. I want you to come and save me. But you've never actually taken the steps to actually try to follow him. That isn't a covenant relationship with Jesus. Jesus wants to save you, but he also uh, the, w- the way in which he does that is also by making himself your Lord. So the invitation today is just to say, is this the time? I- I'm inviting you into a covenant relationship with God. Next week, in fact, Dave is going to give an altar call. He's going he's to ask you to come on down here. I want to say, be prepared because God is ready to work in your life. God wants to bless you and God wants to bless the world through you. The way he does that is through covenant partnership. Let's pray. God, we we ask you today that you would work in us, Lord, that you would powerfully work through us. Lord, we want to see you, uh, your blessing come throughout all the earth. 
Lord, we know that you have great things planned. And Lord, we don't want to see those things never come to fruition in our lives. But I pray that you would come alongside each person. Lord, I pray that you would make clear the hope that you brought into this world. Lord, the hope of new life and a new covenant through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Lord, I pray we could have confidence in you. Confidence in you as our God. Confidence in you and where we can actually not just say that we love you, but we could actually love you with our actions. Lord, love you with our lives. Love you with all of our all. Lord, we want to give you our, our very strength, our mind, our wills, our bodies. Lord, we want to give those over to you. And Lord, I pray you'd give us the strength to trust you. Lord, and those who are have, having their own faith crisis today, Lord, I, those who are doubting, Lord, those who don't know if they can really believe that you're up to something in their lives, Lord, I pray that you would show up in them. Lord, and I pray that you would give them the faith to ask you to show up into their lives. Lord, you want to be in relationship with us. Lord, I pray for them. Come alongside them. Be gracious to them today. Lord, we love you and we, we lift this day to you in your name. Amen.